Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Let's get into the Word of God in Mark chapter 1, verse 6, uh, 1 through 6. And it says, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Ehoses, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his, and his own household. And he could not, do, uh, could not do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teachings let's pray father god we thank you so much for today we do as we come before you lord we pray if there's anyone here that may be dealing with any kind of unbelief any kind of doubt um no matter what it is lord that we could just give that over to you uh that we would put our trust in you and and that uh uh, we would lay those things down and just give them over to you and and, uh, allow your direction to guide us, the Holy Spirit to guide us. I pray for the night of worship. I pray for Jarrell and and the Rise worship team and and, and Pastor Wade, who's driving from Houston. We pray for safe travel for him. I pray for Marcus and myself and and just everybody here as we uh, will put this event together. I, I heard yesterday that nothing ever happens in divine. Well, something's gonna happen in divine. Whether 10 people come or, or even the small church comes, but we're going to go and worship the Lord and pray and just ask God to be, uh, to be Lord over the city and to wake up the churches uh, that we would get back to doing the work of the Lord and, and uh, serve in this community. Uh, we pray for unity. Uh, we pray for uh, just for uh, each person here, Lord, help them, grow them, and allow them to apply this word in their life. Uh, we thank you for those that, uh, uh, as we look at next week, we go into the um, the 20th anniversary of 9/11, and I pray, you know, it's going to be a hard week for a lot of people. Uh, I pray that you would just be with them, the the families, the friends, the uh, co-workers that all lost loved ones that day, um, and then what ensued after the people that joined the service because of 9/11. Um, I pray that it's something that as a, as a nation we can learn from, that our leaders would learn from. And I pray for our leaders, Lord. We see much confusion. We see a lot of selfish, um, each person out for themselves, so to say. And, and I just pray, Lord, that we would get away from doing, doing that and start doing what's best for America. 
And so, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today is Communion Sunday, so if you're watching online, uh, you may want to uh, uh, grab some crackers and, and some juice or some bread and some juice, so you'll be ready for that. I entitled the study, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, is, uh, I entitled it, Jesus Marveled Because of Their Unbelief. Jesus Marveled Because of Their Unbelief. We'll look at it in three parts. Many questioned him in his, in his hometown in verses 1 and 2. Many took offense at him in verses 3 and 4. And many unbelieved in verses 5 and 6. So last week we left off with uh, just this wonderful story of faith of two people. You had Yadas who fell at the feet of Jesus whose daughter was dying and died, right? And then you had the woman who had the uh, illness for 12 years, the bleeding for 12 years, who fell at the feet of Jesus and touched the hem and was healed. Both taking uh, huge amounts of faith to do, Right? And, and both hopeless situations. But this week we switch gears. We go back to Nazareth, right? And when we go back, what happens is we're going to be dealing with the struggle of unbelief. In John chapter 4, verse 44, it says, For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Now this is actually going to be the second visit and the last visit that Jesus will do in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was actually a small village. It was maybe 20 miles from Capernaum. And, and being that said, it was a day's walk. And it only had about 500 people living in the city. That's it. And they weren't known for much. Remember the disciples said that, that nothing good comes out of Nazareth, right? And so what we're going to look at is first is the, the, they're going to question him in his, own in his hometown in verses 1 and 2. And so it says he went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. Something that's very important that we're going to see is what the, the disciples are with them on this trip. And they're there because next week when we get into our verses, Jesus is going to be sending them out. And they're going to, they're going to go out and, and they're going to meet people that have unbelief and that are going to reject the gospel. And so what happens this week is to set the stage for what's coming for the disciples. And so he's back in his hometown. We, we know that he was there two years earlier because of Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. And I won't go through the whole verses, but I'll, I'll kind of pull some stuff from here. And, and it says that when he came into Nazareth where he had been brought up, and was his custom was to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath of that day and he stood and read. So one of the things they do is he goes in to read in the synagogue. He, he pulls the scroll and he pulls from the, uh, the prophet Isaiah. And then in verse 18 of Luke chapter 4, he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover Recover, recovering of the sight of, uh, to the blind and to set a liberty to those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now what he does is he rolls the scroll back, he puts it back, he sits down, and now when that's the point where the, the teacher would teach, the rabbi would teach, and, and he says in verse 21, as all eyes are fixed upon him, in verse 21, he began to say to them, 
Today this scripture has been fulfilled, your hearing. I'm the Messiah. That's what he was telling him in Nazareth, right? And, and one of the things you see is Jesus is going to marvel about unbelief today. But look what happens to the people in the synagogue. They, in verse 22 of Luke chapter 4, it says, And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words. They marveled at the gracious words. And, and then, they, then the doubt starts showing up. And that they were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote me uh, to me this proverb, Physicians, heal yourself. What we have heard you do, uh, do at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And so they're begging him to do the miracles that they had heard about. Right? And he tells them, and, and, and he gives them two examples, two examples of two Gentiles that were healed. One, uh, and with Elijah, when he uh, went to the widow uh, in Israel, and there was a famine, and he went and took care of her. And then the second he gave with Elisha, uh, with Naaman, the Syrian. Remember, we had talked about the, he had uh, leprosy. And so he healed both of them. And, and so when, when he gives them that example... They get upset because they're like, you're not going to do any work here? And in verse 28 of Luke chapter 4, it says, And when they heard this, these things all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. With wrath. So now they go from doubt to wrath. And it says in verse 29, And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of, of the hill of which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff, but passing through their midst, he went away. This happened two years earlier. Now you got to remember. Now this is they—they they knew him for thirty years. They—they they grew up with him. And these are churchgoers, and what do they want to do? They want to kill him. They want to kill him. And and so what we're going to see is we got an issue that's going to happen again. It's been two years. And now he's going to show back up. And what we have is not, it's not a, a matter of, is he Jesus, right? It's a matter of their heart. Their hearts are hard. And, and these were the religious people. These were the people that went to church. These, they were in the synagogue. And, it, and one of the verses I love is, is uh, in Jeremiah 17.1. It says, then the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of a diamond. It is engraved on a tablet of the heart and on the horns of their altars. It's, it's a hard heart. It is a hard heart. Jesus is not impressed with religion. Um, what we see is a, what happens is they have a pride-filled heart that turns to wrath. And, and it tells us what happens in that in Jeremiah 17, 9, verses uh, 9 and 10. Y'all are very familiar with these verses. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So the heart is deceitfully wicked. And believe it or not, everything that's running through your mind right now and your heart, God knows. Even sitting here in church. 
In verse 2 it says, uh, And the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many heard him and were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what is the wisdom given to him, and how are, how are mighty works done by his hands? So now we're back to the story. This is two years after where they tried to kill him. Jesus comes back and reminds me of Paul. Paul gets stoned to death, and what does he do? He wakes up outside the city. They threw him out thinking he was dead. Paul gets up and goes right back to the city and, and goes and preaches the word. People are going to reject the gospel. That's, you might as well go ahead and come to understand that. That's, that's, that's life. Uh, we all have members of our family or friends that we know that reject the gospel. And one of the things that we see here is now as he enters the synagogue, he, he's going to be training the disciples and he's teaching them and expounding and letting them know that they're going to reject you too. And when he says that many heard and were astonished in verse 2, it says, uh, you know, when we look at Mark chapter 1, verse 22, we, we saw them astonished before at his teaching. They were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Remember, we learned that back in chapter 1. So they're astonished. But unfortunately, the natural person doesn't accept the things of God when their heart is hard. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're astonished, but they're, sadly, they're just not growing. They're stuck. And, and these were the churchgoers. This is not even talking about the, the people that don't believe. These are just the people that are sitting in the church. One of the things I, all I had to ask myself, am I astonished when I sit and listen to somebody teach? Because I'm not listening to Jack Hibbs or I'm not listening to David Rosales. I'm listening to the Word of God. And I should be astonished by God's Word. What happens is over time, we just go, ah, I know that scripture. Right? And that's a dangerous place to be. That's why we, we want the Word of God. We want It's not just about being astonished by the Word of God, but it's allowing the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and the wisdom and the power of that to transform your life. That's, that's what this is all about. It's, it's so you have application through God's Word to live. Not just Sunday and Wednesday. That's Your time with the Lord is very important. You know, but it's also your application. What is your application to live out? That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul, and of the spirit, of the joints, and of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. I love that verse because it tells you there's not anything that you can hide from God. You think you got like a little crevice of stuff? Like God doesn't know about this stuff? Oh yeah, He does. And He'll bring it out. I talked to my dad this week. I, you know, I think when I saw the, the war is over thing go, I got upset. And stuff that I thought I had put back here or deep down in here came up like that. 
And I told my dad, I was like, man, I don't know why I thought I, I was done with it. And my dad told me, he goes, Mike, there's some things that you just never, you know, they'll always be there. And then Teresa shared something that was really important. It's like, you have to remove the emotion from it. And I was like, yeah. Why, why did I let it get me so upset? You know? But it was, it was in my heart. I didn't know it was there. And all it took was a little news and Afghan war over after 20 years and I was like you serve in combat anybody who served in combat we were like we you know we left in defeat it was heartbreaking and so you know you you think you've got all that stuff hidden and God shows you hey there's something here you need to deal with And, and so just remember that. I mean, one of the things that we want is we want, you know, God's word to, to move us to truth, to move us to application. We yield to the truth. And then they say, they ask the next question, how are such mighty works done by his hands? So they're questioning him. Now you remember back in Mark chapter 3, verse 22, remember they had, they had questioned, the scribes had said, uh, who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he cast out demons. So they can't explain this, so they're going to say, you know what, this ain't from God. Who, who allowed you to do these mighty works? That's what they're questioning. And that's where unbelief begins. Well, who said you could put a night of worship together? The Holy Spirit? I don't have to answer to nobody except God. It's a shame when I heard that. When nobody, they never do anything here in Divine. And I'm like, what? That stuff should be happening a lot. Churches should be out doing, outreaching. And I know we, we have a lot of churches that do BBS and stuff like that. That's an awesome thing because it's an outreach. But you know what? It's at the end of the day, we step out in faith. And we have to be careful with unbelief and when we think that, well, where do you get this power to do this? Or what happens is it causes unbelief. And people get defeated. Um, I, one of the things I thought about is, is you know, they, they talk about, well, where do you get this power to do this? And you think, well, he just resurrected somebody, right? Last week we were in that verse and he just resurrected somebody. And, and you think about the Lazarus with the, rich, with the rich man. Remember he tells him in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 30, 31. I won't read it because of time. But there's, there's a part of the verse where he talks about just send somebody to go tell my brothers. Because if somebody's resurrected, they'll believe. Well, can I tell you something? No, they won't. You can have a miracle happen right in front of somebody and they will still question they will still question. We'll have an event over there and you'll see movements. I've seen stuff happen already where, you know, where we see that Christian man down the street with his business say, I want to donate water. And that, that's all the Lord, man. But what happens is we, we I love the verse because it, it tells you in Luke chapter 
16, it, it, one of the things that it says in, um, in the verse, it says, that he goes, I have for, in verse 28, he says, For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into the place of torment. But Abraham said, they, uh, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. No, they won't. Because this is what it says in the next verse, in verse 31. It says, He said to them, I said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced that somebody should rise from the dead. Where does this mighty work come from? I hear this all the time. If I could just hear God's voice, it wouldn't help you. You would still question it because your heart's still hard. You're not willing to deal with your sin. You're not willing to deal with your addiction. You're not willing to deal with those things that need to be dealt with. You want to keep living that life. And guess what? You, if I could just hear God's voice. You have it in, in the Word of God. You have it by that person that's talking to you right now. You have it by God sending that person to pray for you. You have it by that person sharing the gospel with you. But what happens is that iron diamond pen written on a hard heart. And it's unbelief. So they're going to question him and now they're going to take offense. In verses 3 and 4 it says, uh, is this not the carpenter? So let's stop right there. Now, is this not the carpenter, not the Messiah? He told them two years before, earlier, when he read out of Isaiah. And where did they come back two years later? Is this not the carpenter? You know what the beautiful thing about a carpenter was back then? A carpenter just didn't build tables or work on wood or make chairs. A carpenter back then actually would work with stone uh, they would work with metal, and they would also work with sculpting, or sculpting, with clay. Uh, every time I read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I am so glad we have a carpenter. Because he's going to mold you and shape you to what you need to be. That's sanctification as, as a believer. But what happens is, is a lot of people consider Jesus just a carpenter or a good person or a great teacher. That's what most religions teach. The Muslims teach that Jesus was a wise teacher and a prophet. These are all false religions because they don't believe that God, he was fully God, fully man. And any religion that doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man is false religion. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through me, comes to the Father except through me. No one. It's through Jesus. The Hindus believe that Jesus was a saint and a holy man. See, every religion, false religions, has some sort of Jesus because it has to. To draw you in. The Buddhists believe that he was an enlightened man. Mormons believe that Jesus Christ was the firstborn spirit child. 
Jesus always existed. It says that in John. Right? Of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. I have not read that anywhere in any Bible. Okay? They also believe that because Christ's atonement uh, secures immortality for virtually all people, whether they repent or believe. So they believe everybody's going to go to heaven because of what Christ did. And that's false. It's false. They also believe that you'll be a God one day, which is false. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ was a, a, an archangel, was Archangel Michael. He had existed prior to that, and, that, and now he's a lesser God. Can I read you just one verse? And this, should, this one verse should explain why. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Very important verse if you're sharing the gospel with anybody. We'll let that go through. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. I love this verse. He is, the, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. That's Jesus. That's God. That's the Messiah. And that's the carpenter. There should be no question of who Jesus is. And, and, and you know, that's why they brought it up that way. And, and, and then they go on to insult him after that. But they didn't call him just a carpenter. Now they're going to say the son of Mary. They didn't even use Joseph. Now that would have been an insult to use the mother's name back in the day because that's how the Jewish... Uh, would roll they, they the thing they would do is that they would have to use the father's name first but by using the mother's name first they were insulting jesus and that goes back to she was pregnant it's a 500 person town everybody knows joseph and mary's business right so it's kind of a slide so to say and then it says the brother of james uh, and ehoses uh and judas and, and then simon Sadly, the brothers didn't even believe in Jesus. It's all brothers. Okay? So when, when we have family member, this is very important. When we have family members that don't believe, there's hope for us. Because we see after the resurrection, they came to know Christ. You know, they, it's very important that, you know, we know that James and Judas wrote some of the Bible. But it says that in John 7, 5, for not even his brothers believed in him. His own brothers. And it says, and then in verse, the rest of the verse 3, it says, and they took offense at him. Now that word to take offense is in, in the Greek, it means to put a stumbling block in front of someone. 
So the person who's creating the doubt is now stumbling everybody else in the synagogue. You see what's happening? And, and that's what we have to be very careful with because what that person's do is, is he's placing a stumbling block to cause the person to begin to distrust the one who he should actually trust and obey. Now, we see this with a lot of things in our culture today. And I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm telling you, you need to be careful and make sure you're well-read because there are a lot of people in certain agencies and certain things that are trying to put stumbling blocks in front of you to make you distrust the, the, the actual people you should obey. We trust God. You know, I, I saw something the other day and they said, well, we don't want artists and people to go perform in Texas. Good. Don't need you. Because I would rather stand with the Lord and stop abortions than have you come and perform. You know, if anything, God's going to bless what Texas is doing. And we're hoping that more states step up and do the same thing. This is the thing that's causing this nation to be judged right now. And, and sadly, I mean, er, er, we've had hurricanes and chaos or, you know, just mess after mess. We need to wake up. And thank God Texas decided to do something. And all these celebrities that are out there talking about the Texas Taliban and all this other stuff, we don't need you. Okay? It's funny because all your people are moving here. Right? Out of New York and California and Nevada and New Mexico, people are leaving. They're leaving those states because they can't, they can't be there anymore. It's, it's just gotten so crazy. But, you know, one of the things we have to remember is we can't put a stumbling block, especially with, about Jesus. Like, if you have unbelief or you're not sure about something, you should hold back and say, you know, I don't understand this. Can you explain this? Because if you go on and start preaching something different, that's why I was like, I was really, I want to make sure, because that sometimes what I think comes out here, you know, I want to make sure, you know, because at the end of the day, I, I'm held accountable. I, I Man, for me, I, I want to make sure I get it right. I do not want to cause a stumbling block for any of y'all. But that's, that's what was, was being said here by them taking offense. And, and so... And this was happening, you know, uh, with his own people, his hometown, people who knew him. And I love the verse in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. It says, So there is honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder, builders reject has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, a and a rock of offense, and they stumbled because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. Unfortunately, some people will just flat out reject Christ. And there's not a whole lot we can do about that. We just got to keep praying and keep, keep hoping that God will send. And maybe, maybe you burn that bridge and they don't want to talk to you no more. That happens. But we just got to keep sharing and hope. And, and if you don't... You don't have access to that person anymore just pray just pray that god will put somebody in their path you know because i mean there's a lot of people that are being 
led to believe things like Satanism and and things that are, uh, you know, witchcraft and all this other stuff, those are stumbling blocks. I'll give you another one. Uh, Christian yoga, that's a stumbling block. Those two words don't go together, okay? Just, you can do Christian stretching without all the other, you can just stretch. You don't need it, you don't have to even call it anything. In the army, that's what we called it, stretching, right? And that's all it was. So, just FYI. All right, and it says, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And so Jesus is saying, you know, is, is given a solemn word in Nazareth. He, he spoke and taught, and yet they rejected him. And the people would, would reject Jesus, and, and guess what? Uh, they will be held accountable for the light that they denied. Two things that are going to happen, and it's very important because as we get into communion here in a little bit, uh, two things that are very important for us to remember is there's a judgment that happens for all, okay? You're either going to have the Bema Seat judgment, right? And that's Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. The Bema Seat judgment is for believers, uh, meaning that when, when, when you come before Christ, you're covered by the blood of Christ. You've given your heart to the Lord here on earth. You repented of your sins. But you still have to give account for all you do. Everything you said, everything you thought, and then after that, based upon what, what comes out of that, you'll be either rewarded or you'll just be in heaven. Some of y'all may be just on, still putting ambers out, and you'll just be going on as you go in, right? But you're in because you gave your life to Christ, and you repented here on earth. What happens to you if you reject an unbelief? That's the great white throne of judgment. Very important that you understand these two. Those are the people that will end up in hell. Those are the people that's name has to be written in the book of life. It's, it's in Revelation chapter 20, uh, verses 11 through 15, if you want to read it, because it talks about the books being opened up. And... Uh, and it says in the very last verse in, in Luke chapter 20, verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So hell is real. You, you choose to reject Jesus here, hell is real. And, and many of them took offense, and they took offense in unbelief. And last little part here in verse uh, 5 and 6, we see many unbelieved. And he could not uh, do mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And so he was able to do some but not much work there uh, because the unbelief entered the work that needed to be done. He would save uh, some people there and, and heal them. But at the end of the day, one of the things that we see is that, that Jesus could have healed whoever in the town. But because of that unbelief, people, people didn't want nothing to do with, with Jesus. They rejected him. Remember when the demon-possessed man, what did that town do? You need to go. They rejected Jesus too. People will reject Christ. And so we, we have to step out in faith. One of the things as a church is we can't be hindered uh, and, and think that, well, God can't do that. We need to take that step of faith and understand that if God's placed that on your heart, we're going to step out in faith. You can't step out in little faith you got to step out in faith and fully trust Him. 
You know, because God is the same uh, today, yesterday, and forever. He wants to work. He wants to. You don't think He wants to do a night of worship here? He don't want. I mean, come on. Even if it's just the church coming together to worship God and pray for the city and pray for the leaders of the city and pray for our teachers and our school district. All of that stuff needs to be, that should be, man, at the beginning of every school year that should happen. As these kids, they, they face so much stuff that we didn't face in our day. And they need to be prayed over. And that last verse in verse 6, it says, And he marveled because of their unbelief. He went out, he went about among the village teaching. So he marveled. The other time that Jesus marveled was with the centurion. So you have him marveling in unbelief and marveling in faith. Remember the centurion said in, in Luke chapter 7, uh, Luke chapter 7 and through 7 verses, uh, 7 through 9, he says, uh, but... Say the word and let my servant be healed. Just say it. And it, it, Jesus says in verse 9, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. See, what happens is when we have unbelief, our heart is set in unbelief. When we have a, a, a heart of unbelief, it's a dangerous place to be. You become skeptical, cynical. Some of, sometimes people, when their hearts are filled with unbelief, they're numb to sin. They just do it and don't have any remorse. That's how addictions happen and all. But unbelief is clearly seen and known. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It is veiled to, to, as Satan blinds them. And, and they're spiritually blind because that veil has been placed over them. And so what we have to pray for is that veil to soften, for their hearts to soften. It's because of hard hearts. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, it says, And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He even talked about this unbelief with his disciples, and, and we're going to learn this as we get to the end of the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 16, verse 14, it says, And afterward he appeared to eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who saw him after they had risen. There had been witnesses that were close to them, and they still rejected it. They should have been rejoicing. And yet, they were hidden in a room, and they had unbelief. And Jesus rebuked them. He not only says their unbelief, but he says their hardness of heart. So the text reveals to us that unbelief is actually, you know, as Jesus marveled at it, is, is actually one of the greatest sins that we can have. Because unbelief will actually send a person, will, will actually send a person to hell and keep them from heaven. Unbelief in the church hinders the work of God. 
Okay? Unbelief in the church hinders the Word of God. And unbelief in the church hinders the work of God through the workers, the servants. It'll keep, keep them because they think, man, what are we doing? Uh, very simply, you could have, I've had events, you have 10 people, 15 people show up and you go, man, but one person came to know Christ. That's all, it was worth every bit of it. One person rededicated his life. It was worth every bit of it. To see the church work together, it was worth every bit of it. But see, that's what unbelief does. Oh, man, I don't know what we're doing. What, why are we out here? It's 90 degrees. You know, we'll go through all of that. So we need to be careful with the unbelief. If you're struggling today with unbelief, uh, I want to encourage you with a verse. We're going to actually get into this verse, which is a beautiful story. But in Mark chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, uh, Jesus is speaking to a man whose son is demon-possessed. Um, and, and, and he says to him, and Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for who one, belie- one who believes. And, G- and the man responds immediately to the father of the child, cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. When you're struggling with unbelief, that's a great prayer to, to, to pray. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. So our application, real quick, we'll run through these pretty fast. Application, first one. Jesus was rejected in his hometown. Have you been rejected by your family, your friends, or co-workers for, because you're a Christian? And has it stopped you from sharing the gospel? A lot of times people will get rejected and they just stop sharing the gospel. Don't stop. You see here that even in Jesus' hometown, people rejected him. And yet, what does he do? He goes on and keeps teaching. Second, they took offense to Jesus, which means they were placing a stumbling block in front of others, which caused others to detrust or, or, or not obey uh, Christ. Have you placed a stumbling block in front of someone, causing them to question or obey the Word of God? That's pretty simple. You know, it could be by the way that you're living your life, by the way you're doing things. I'm a Christian, but you're doing stuff that doesn't line up with being a Christian. You're stumbling other people. And you need to deal with that. Third, have you allowed unbelief to find a home in your heart? And has it caused you to, your heart to become hardened? Because that's what it'll do. When you allow unbelief to go from here to here, it takes root. And you start, you start questioning everything. You question everything. And, and, and that's a, a hard place to be. I get it. But you, Lord, help my unbelief. You, you told me to do this. Help my unbelief. Okay? And, and so that's where we're at. So Communion Sunday. So today is Communion Sunday. It tells us that uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, it says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Um, one of the things that we do understand is in, verse, in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And so as uh, 
those that are watching online, I don't know where your state is as a believer. So I'm going to just, if you want to receive Jesus, in order to do communion, you have to be a follower of Christ. And, and there's four things that you, you need to do uh, to become a follower of Christ. Because realistically, if not, you have that unbelief and you reject Christ, hell is your destination. Not unless you change that. And, and so, uh, first thing we have to do is we have to admit that we're a sinner. And as we admit that we're a sinner, we ask for forgiveness, we repent of our sins. And then we believe that, that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected. And we receive Christ into our heart and allow him to be Lord of our life. It tells us that, you know, that each one of us are, none of us are good, no, no not one. And so, none of us are, we're all sinners. We're, we're, we were, we're all guilty, but Jesus died on the cross, and, and you can be not, not guilty today. You'd be covered by the blood of Christ and, and be heaven-bound, right? And so just pray this prayer after me. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask forgiveness of my sins. I believe in my heart that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless. We would love to invite you to come out and join us for our free prayer and worship night on Sunday, September 12th at 6 p.m. at the VFW parking lot located at 211 West College Avenue in Divine, Texas. Performing that night will be Darren Miller, Jarrell, the Rise Worship Band, the Grace Worship Band, and a special message from Pastor Wade Collier all the way from Houston, Texas. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessings and praise. Come join us as we stand up and worship the Lord and lift up the city of Divine, Medina County, and the state of Texas. We hope to see you there. To get more information on this event, you can go to calvarydivine.org, calvarydivine.org.